With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shady, I'm excited to record with you again. I know, I haven't gotten to record with you in so long. I feel like it's, I know. Oh, this is the first episode, I think. Yeah, <laughs> well, literally, I hadn't been on several episodes. I was, like, busy, and y'all other hosts were kind of taking it for a while, which I appreciate. <laughs> but I'm glad to be back with you. How has your energy and everything been lately? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd be out of seasonal depression by now, but I'm not. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel that I'm, really I'm hard. I'm slugging honestly. through. I'm trying. It's like, I'm in, uh, I feel like I've never left the fake it till you make it mode ever. So yeah. it's like going in real strong right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imposter syndrome, I think, never fully goes <gasps> away. No, it does not. Okay, well, do you want to lead us in or do you want me to? Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and take it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Boss Level. We are excited to have you here. And I have a really exciting guest here today. Uh, We have Dr. Kay Ross. And Kay, I'm hoping maybe you can shed some light on this imposter syndrome, you know, that Shady and I were just talking (laughs) about because, you know, you are such an accomplished person. And I can't believe I'm talking to an astrophysicist right now. And I think that Hopefully, you're going to talk about a lot of stuff that I don't understand even a little bit. So can you, first of all, please introduce yourself? 
Hello there. Thank you very much. Yes, my, my name is Kay. I'm online as Dr. Kay Ross. Uh, that, that doctorate in, in physics, yes, indeed. And I've had, a, I guess, a strange trajectory through my career. Fickle, I guess. Yeah, I started <laughs> off as a, as a physicist. Um, it was in a branch of physics called particle physics, which is if you if you've seen LHC and CERN and all that on the news over the last decade oh. or two, that kind of branch. But I was all out in the, in the US. But about ten years or so ago, I decided to take a little sidestep and ended up in the, in the games industry. So a lot of folks on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter or whatnot, might know me. Uh, from my work with Frontier Developments in Cambridge in the UK, where I was involved in a game called Elite Dangerous, where for some great and wonderful amount of um, ambition, we decided to create the entire Milky Way as a game area. <laughs> so ambitious, that was the word. And uh, yeah, that, that was a, a, a very fun time. Uh, then a few years ago, I started uh, streaming as well, you know, just keep on doing new stuff and uh, speaking of that imposter syndrome that's that's what I've had mm. all this mm. entire time starting on these uh, these fun projects so uh, through science and, and the games industry and and streaming and uh, currently I'm at a different game studio I've uh, recently in the last year moved to uh, Splash Damage where I currently work as a what, what they call a technical lead I used to be a programmer on Elite Dangerous, but now I'm a, I'm a tech lead, and that's looking after all of the other programmers on a, on a particular project. So uh, no pressure, and uh, yeah, don't let the <laughs> imposter syndrome get in the way. Hopefully yeah, it's, don't ooh. let it, don't let it yeah. sneak in. <laughs> I can't, I like, I can't believe that's like mind blowing. That I, in some ways that makes me feel better, and in some ways it makes me feel worse that you still have that imposter syndrome because you can do so much more than I've ever done. Like you are in, you are a physicist and then you also, you can program as well. Like, did you pick that up on your own? Did you teach yourself how to become a programmer? It was part of the work in, in physics. Oh, I didn't know those so, were the same thing. I thought those were hmm. two separate things. Oh no, it's a very, very useful tool. So in particle physics, the branch I was in, we're dealing with billions upon billions upon billions of events, of collisions between particles and all sorts of things happening with them and all sorts flying off them. And we've got to track those things. We've got to identify those things, find out exactly what happened. And there's way too much to do by hand. So, and you, and you can't buy uh, your Microsoft particle physics off the shelf. So <laughs> we need to make these things our, our, ourselves and share them across the science community. And so, yeah, you get a lot of people that are programming in all sorts of languages and all sorts of scripting. It's maybe um, in many cases not quite up to professional standards of the <laughs> software in industry. I mean, it's very cavalier, everyone, everyone doing their own little analysis, but yeah, it, it really ties in there. And from that, I was able to make the, the sidestep. So that said, computing and games have been an interest since it was very, very small. Um, since starting off with my first computer, which was a Commodore 64, an 80s 8-bit little thingy. And um, yeah, that's that starting up with, with um, what do they call it? Commodore Basic, C64 Basic. And uh, learning to script from from magazines on that. Oh, God, wow, just date, dating myself That's terribly awesome, now. That's awesome, though. <laughs> but, yeah, 
But it's also, I mean, it's also impressive to hear about like just you learning it yourself. And, and I mean, that's wild to me because I was actually a computer science major, but I was terrible at like programming. So I can't imagine, you know, that being such, like, you're just like, oh yeah, that part, that's just a tool that I use to do this main thing, which is the physics. Um, but can you tell me about how you made this giant sidestep? Like, had you always wanted to work in gaming or was that more of something you kind of stumbled upon? was always a side interest so okay. from uh, do, doing little bits of modding when i was a student um half-life and, and quake maps and things like that but the particular studio i went to the particular project i moved on to that is frontier developments and elite dangerous that was something i specifically targeted you know after they came forward with the Kickstarter campaign at the end of 2012 because that, that's the fourth game in their series. The second game in their series, Frontier Elite 2, they called it, uh, I had on the Amiga computer, I had an Amiga 600, and that was one of the things driving my interest in science at a young age. And that inspired me so much. It brought so much wonder um, to do with space, what's out there, what, what these stars are. Oh, the, these these unknowable, unimaginable things happening. Um, stars being born, uh, red giants, supernova, black holes, all, all these astrophysical things, um, which you, you don't have a frame of ref reference for, really, as in our everyday life, was there on this little Amiga game, on this little 3.5-inch floppy disk. That, that, that's, that's amazing. So that really drove the interest there in science to learn more. And I did it through school and through university. And then, you know, I guess it was a little poetic in the end that I was, I was coming to the end of a uh, postdoc um, contract for, for, for research. I needed to either find another one, and those only last a few years, and then I'd be finding a new job every few years or so. Oh, I can make this step out to the side to the games industry. And here is this perfect project. It is the, the reimagining of something which meant a lot to me as a child, which, which got me into this career. And um, a chance to expand a hobby for a living and also kind of learn real programming because all of my physics programming was awful. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, I was very fortunate. So you just kind of stumbled across Elite Dangerous as an opportunity? Yeah, yeah. So it, That's really uh, serendipitous. That's uh, like the perfect opportunity yeah. for you. <laughs> I think it was the second time I'd applied, though, because I, I wanted it. Um, <laughs> and they ended up reaching out to the CEO on Twitter saying, hey, would, would, you, would, you, would you take a, a physicist? I, I'm not really uh -huh. a, a proper programmer. Would, would you? Would you? And said, yeah, 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 go on, go on, go on, apply. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So when you had joined up, would, had they already undertaken the, the endeavor to, to create the, the Stellar Forge? Or was that something that you uh, came on and said, hey, wouldn't it be neat if we created the Milky Way inside this game? Oh, it was always going to be um, a, key, a corner, a keystone, um, a key pillar, that's the right phrase, of the game. It was always on the plan. And um, so I arrived in April 2013. And so it had uh, been undergoing some development up, up until that point. And uh, I joined under the tutelage of the lead program at the time, um, Igor Tarrant Jeff, whose name I unfortunately butchered and I apologize for that. <laughs> and um, also uh, a programmer called James Potter. And I think to an extent, though, I forget exactly how much uh, Jonathan Roach. Uh, 
And it was between all of us that setting up the systems to um, create the, the Stellar Forge. Now, uh, for those who aren't aware, that is the the, the, the engine, the algorithm, the series of, of um, resources and code which procedurally creates the, the Milky Way, or at least all the data to create the game objects from. And so when I when I got there, um, there was a concept of what a star system is, just as a, a container for data. There wasn't a system for creating those um, on mass. There, there wasn't a system to uh, create the data in a way which was scientifically plausible or accurate or representative of what stars should be where, depending on where the mass is, depending on how old that part of the galaxy is. And that's the side which I really looked at. So I, I was looking after the generation of star systems from uh, base principles of, of the Milky Way itself. And then uh, James Potter, because I always like to give credit where credit is due. I never want to say it was all me, absolutely not, uh, was looking at generating what is inside a star system itself. And Eagle was bossing the entire thing until he, he went his um, own way uh, at, at, at some point. Were you expecting to segue your education um, in particle physics into the video game industry? Well, my plan was I'll join the industry for a year and I'll learn how to program properly, learn how to program efficiently, because a lot of physics code can be a little slow. Mm. And and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll take back what I've learned to, to research. And um, nearly 10 years later, and I've still not finished this year in industry. <laughs> so you've stepped into streaming now too. Um, what mm. was it that got you interested in uh, streaming and what kind of stuff do you stream? Right. So when I first started streaming, it was because I wanted to demonstrate Painting. There's something entirely different from science and programming. I paint acrylic paintings for a hobby. They're not very good. They're very amateur. Well, are they like landscapes? I always like to share. Uh, yeah. It. Are they like I like to share the process of it. Uh, landscapes. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Just just whatever I found amusing at the time. That's for so example, fun. It's the opposite um, side of your brain. Yeah. That that one painting, for example, was um, I wanted to do one for a friend as a thank you. What do you want? Oh, something regarding Carl McLaughlin, who's an actor, been in a whole bunch of David Lynch films. <laughs> so I ended up painting a scene from the film June. So to, um, it, that had a, a recent reboot as well. Mm. Um, but instead of sandworms, because it features sandworms, um, I replaced them with with giant ferrets. All, all these little <laughs> fremen riding on a ferret. That's cute. Oh my god, that's and, so funny. Yeah. That's what popped into mind for for some reason. So that's what I painted, and then <laughs> then, then the job is getting that on the canvas before I get bored and move on to the next thing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I moved on to streaming because I wanted to show some of the process of doing it, and that started off with trying to record it with a horrible shoulder-mounted camera, which looked like a torture device from the eighteen hundreds, and that that wasn't very good. Um, and that moved on to, to games because uh, a few people were doing it, just wanted to find out how that worked. But then I just kind of abandoned it for a few years. I'm busy, busy with other stuff, with, with the day job. And then, of course, um, 2020 happened. And yeah. Yeah. I needed to find a different hobby because I couldn't get outside as much due to the, the global conditions. Um, yeah. Um, 
yeah, just started doing some games. I was inspired a little bit by, um, I want to give a shout out here to uh, Arthemis, uh, a friend of mine who worked with me at Frontier, who left and uh, started streaming full time, uh, following, following her dreams as well. And that was inspiring. And I wanted to give it a go as well. And, and yeah, that's how that started in 2020. It just kind of started steamrolling a little bit. I guess I was also lucky there because I'd done some streaming with Frontier uh, just to promote the game or yeah. talk about the game a little bit. And, and so some people who follow the game followed me onto Twitch as well. And that was very kind of them. Now, it's not like I've ever had a a, a massive, huge partnership level audience. No, 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 no. But I'm very, very, very thankful for those who did. The, uh, the communities on Twitch have been very welcoming and very understanding and incredibly wholesome. Um, if you can... Um, wow, you found that. a good corner, didn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that has really kept me going over the last few years. And I can't thank people enough for the help for me to getting streaming and also for, for being there and chatting to me through it. It's really got me through these last few years. So, Well, it's a very unique yeah. space that you would um, occupy. Um, I mean, definitely like a, a woman in this industry, but uh, bringing in the physics, like uh, the science level of it, I know that, that I'm sure there's probably a lot you could talk about just like being a woman in science as well and like the science industry. And uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know, kind of like the the – the I want to use the phrase odd man out, but it's the opposite, the odd woman out in those kinds of spaces. <laughs> but um, that would, I think, inspire a lot of people. And I know that I've got a friend who is obsessed, obsessed with Elite Dangerous, but they're also in school for like astronomy or astrophysics. I'm not sure exactly what their major is, but um, they, I can't tell you how many times that, that they're like booting up the Discord video share to be like, look at this star I just found. I got to show you like the I, I don't think I understood like the depth of the game until I really watched them like take me through and show me like I, I believe that they said that that it, it's accurate the the distance and the travel like to get from one star to the other like ever, like it's how I, I mean I don't know if you can succinctly explain this but how did y'all map the Milky Way galaxy into a video game like how is that even possible mm. now it's a very 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 good question now I want to caveat that in that whilst we made everything to scale we don't let you just fly slowly from one star to the next because it would forever. take forever. <laughs> who, who wants to do that? We thought, who would want to do that? Then, of course, we released it and people tried to do it. And like, but um, the, the only thing stopping it is some under the hood um, code glue to unload things and load in the next things. But I, I can't comment on things which should have been done and didn't go in the game. Right, right. Anyway, the question is, how do we make a galaxy? And uh, it, it is a good one. I start off with um, a series of, of textures, of pictures of the Milky Way, just so that we can get the distribution of where things will turn up right. And um, I've got a picture for where things are. I've got a picture for roughly how old that area is. Because mm. you've got, you got your spiral arms, you've got the gaps in between, you've got the bulge at the centre of the galaxy, and you get different populations of stars in different areas, typically. So I can cheat and draw those out beforehand. And now, once we know where stuff is, because we're just, we're, we're just mapping stuff at the moment, not individual mm. stars, it's just stuff. Once we know where stuff is and how old stuff is, we can start going, okay, in this cube of space how many or with the amount of stuff we have how much could clump into what things in what distribution 
and um, that is handled in what we call an, an oct tree there, uh, a seven, eight layer oct tree. So we get a very large cube, and inside it are eight smaller cubes. Inside each of those smaller oh. cubes are eight smaller cubes, and each layer is looking after a different range of size of things which can generate. So you get the right distribution of uh, sizes of stars. So you get the really, really huge ones, but there's only a few of them and they're very far between. Right. And then the really, really, really tiny ones, but there's loads of them and they're all packed in. And we can tune um, how we distribute mass between the layers so that things turn out how we expect, depending on mathematical models and what's in papers. I looked at so many, so many PDFs of papers during that year. <laughs> So what we ended up with is, is a whole bunch of points of here's something with this much mass and it is here. And it is also this old. And there's a relationship between uh, a mass of a star and how long it takes to form and how long it will live and what, it will, what will happen to it in the end and at what point. Right. So we can, we can know then if it's a forming star, if it's a main sequence, so it's in its middle age. We know if it's a stellar remnant, if it's died. Uh, we know if it's a white dwarf or a pulsar or a black hole. So we get that main information about what the main star is there. And we also have some information about how much mass is left over. And that's what I can feed to James Potter to say, okay, you got this much. You go out and make all of the, the gas giants and the and the, uh, where, cool. the, where the planets are now. So in this game, does, does everything... Um... Uh, is there time? Does it expand? Is there, and also is like, does your spaceship get sucked into the gravity of certain things if you get too close to it? Does it function, I guess, in other words, or is it static and it just stands still? So in this game, it is static. Um, for the, the, the type of experience, the type of flight that the designers wanted. Now, uh, as a little segue, a little history lesson there, the first game, Elite, uh, was quite arcadey in its feel. It was made for 8-bit computers, a BBC Micro, and you yeah, yeah, up, down, roll left, roll right, and it's not too scientifically accurate like that. But then the second game, Frontier Elite 2, did a lot more of the simulation. It was all Newtonian gravity. So you could fall into gravity worlds, you had to mm. have the correct speeds and whatnot. It was great. I loved it. That's One fun, of my favourite yeah. games of all time. <laughs> but it's a very different experience. It's much harder to get into. When Elite Dangerous came along, the, the, the fourth game, it was to be a rebirth, a reimagining of the first game. So the flight was made a lot more accessible. And that's why you, um, navigating gravity wells isn't part of that gameplay loop. Cool. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of just like discussing space theory and like how how everything's formed. Like I'm even like I want to ask about do you think the how do you think the moon was made? So I'm like before I dig too deep with you on this or uh, let's let's take a moment and pause for an ad break really quick. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Um, And thank you so much, Dr. K, for being here and chatting with us today about your uh, experience in the industry. Um, I think I'd like to touch in a little bit with you on how how you've kind of navigated both of these industries. Um, uh, 
uh, as a woman or if that's impacted you at all um, and what your kind of thoughts are around that? Absolutely. So uh, for uh, letting the audience who might not necessarily know me know, uh, my experience in the uh, the science industry, in research, it's not an industry, (laughs) is somewhat different now because I am a trans woman and I didn't come out until I was in the games industry. So my experience of science was as a closeted person in that respect. Oh, interesting. Okay. And um, many would think that it is a, a very understanding and open and um, good place to be for that. But it's, it's not perfect. I mean, in, at the end of the day, all, all these people are individuals with their own individual upbringings and out, uh, viewpoints and whatnot. And being amongst uh, nerds and geeks and and science (laughs) freaks doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to be as open-minded. Now, on the whole, lovely people, but there's also, uh, in physics itself, um, a a strong sense that this this is the old boys' club. Mm. And after work, they go to the old... old, um, That that sounds very ageist there. There's a thing over here in the UK called old, Old Man's Pub. I don't know if there's the same thing uh, where you are. Oh yeah, not. I mean, I like the old boys mm. club. Like I, I can, mm. I can see how it would sound ageist, but it's really yeah. just like mm. the the seniority. They've been here forever, yeah. so they'll always yeah. be here. Yeah, yeah. It, it's expected that you go there. It's expected that you be uh, laddish and you drink ale, and it's just expected. <laughs> if you don't do that, you're you're not included. And uh, a very big part of um, any workforce or. Um, field you might find in is is that social aspect of that collaboration that working with people and that can become harder if you don't have the same social aspect as the others and yeah i did struggle a little bit in science from that point of view there's also in in physics there's a lot of groups trying to push uh advocacy for 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 women in physics and uh ensuring that voices are heard and mm. ensuring that um the opportunities are there and that um, cultures to the side of the main academics that you're looking at are are not uh, repressive or in the way. And there is sadly sometimes not an understanding about why those groups exist. Like, oh, this this is all just maths. Why should we need to care about that? Mm. We don't don't care about the social. No, it all has an impact. Yeah. All all this working environment can really impact all of your co-workers who feels welcome there, who feels encouraged to be there. So I'm very glad to see these groups running. Um, There's still work to go. Mm. On the other side, on in the games industry, for me, personally, uh, from what I've seen, it's been absolutely amazing so far. So supportive in terms of, of, of transition, of LGBTQIA plus rights, mm. all of that. Uh, I know there are difficulties in some places, in some companies. I've really looked at, though, between Frontier Developments and Splash Damage, looked after me very well. And that sense of collaboration, of that acceptance and of, hey, however you are, however you need to be, Fantastic. Let's all be friends. Let's work on something cool together. That's, yeah, it's very encouraging. And if anyone's worried about joining this industry, um, due to those things, um, I wouldn't say don't worry, but I will say do your research, ask people, (laughs) 
the good companies are out there for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it is, you know, an unfortunate fact that we're not going to get along with everybody. Um, but mm. I, in my experience, I find that the game industry has, I think, come a long way mm. since, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Kay, do you feel that in either, um, you know, I know you said science isn't really an industry, but let's call it the research industry or in the games industry, do you ever find that um, your maybe knowledge or expertise comes into question, like because of being a woman as compared to some of your male colleagues, you know, whether it's whether it's um, like you can tell someone maybe doesn't think you know what you're talking about mm. or maybe something even more overt than that? In physics, uh, definitely. Um, I was thinking of this the other the other day um, and when I was over in Fermilab, it was the, the, the research place, the, the lab site I was based um, and on the experiment I was on, there'd be weekly meetings at least in your department and you'd go and someone would give their updates for the week and everyone would judge or offer support and whatnot. And there was always a, from some certain people, a, a, a sense that they want to be competitive, that they want to be macho. Mm. And if you couldn't... Um, argue in, in that slightly aggressive um, uh, tone that they took, that they would become very dismissive. So for the people trying to be more constructive or polite, one might say, it's, uh, it wasn't always the easiest. There's, there can be a difference yeah. in communication styles. I found mm. a lot of ways in like, you know, personally, I choose to spend time around a lot of people that are very like polite. They don't interrupt or talk over each other. And, you know, that is that is not my experience with everyone. But that's that's my experience with those who I choose to spend my time with, at least was, personally. Yes. Like in my early 20s when I was, I like spent a lot of time in the metal scene, uh, music. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, I, it took me, I was younger, so it took me a while. I, I remember vividly when I realized that I was surrounded by, by I mean, it was mostly um, a male-dominated space. And it, I, I vividly remember this, this moment of, they don't respect me. Um, and and it not because anybody said anything. We were all standing around a table and it was like a whole circle, maybe like eight people around one individual table, like a little, you know, and everyone was just like like loud and clattered and like talking. And and I remember trying to jump into the conversation multiple times and just being cut off and talked over, cut off and talked over. And and I, I remember just kind of stepping back the, like the fourth or fifth or sixth or tenth time it happened and just kind of watching the conversation continue and nobody looking to me, nobody checking in, nobody being like, oh, did you want to finish what you were saying or did you want to, sorry, I interrupted you, did you want to say? And it was just this vivid realization of I will never fight to be heard ever again. I will never mm. beg. I will never, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to be the person that throws a hissy fit over here because I keep getting interrupted because that's just going to make this even worse. It's going to make me look even weaker that I have to like beg for that space. Do you know what I mean? I, I vividly remember that. And then there was a follow-up moment to that where I had asked a question to one individual and they turned and made direct eye contact with the other man in the conversation and answered the question to that person. And I was just, I, I, I was like, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm not, I'm not uh, the, and and the the thing about these people is that they were like by all intents purposes my friends like like what I felt like nice lovely people but it was this this over overt expression it was it like a like a culture you know it wasn't anything that they were individually doing it was it was collectively that it was just happening and it was just like oh. I, I vividly remember it so like it's to me very 
stressful and angering to be in spaces like that. And so whenever I find myself in them, I just dip out and I go back to my little corner and um, like people can come to me if they want to, but I'm not going to fight my way into this. And maybe that's the wrong take. Maybe we should be fighting our way into it, but it's so exhausting to me. And it, it really bad for my blood pressure too. So. <laughs> mm. Yes. That now that you mention it, that is, um, an issue when it comes to meetings and in mm. the games industry there are a lot of meetings so many meetings and um, it, it is hard to um, sometimes get your voice heard because a lot of the others do like to speak over they're like oh an idea comes in they'll start speaking doesn't mm. matter if you finished or not doesn't matter if you're trying to say something there's often not uh, anyone taking uh, any note of you going Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just ignore that. It's where that like macho just, feel yeah. comes in that you were talking about, where yeah. they're just trying to like flex on each other. On yeah, <laughs> but like verbal flexing, and it's like, can you all stop? <laughs> <laughs> this said, uh, with the last couple of years and uh, Teams calls for meetings now or Slack calls, and the delay uh, that you can get sometimes. Some. Sometimes I start talking and someone else has, but it's mm. not on purpose because it's been, and I feel so bad. Mm. And I shouldn't do, but I do. I feel so bad. <laughs> well, that's just good courtesy. Like, <laughs> care for yeah. other people. Um, so, yeah. Um, you mentioned that you were really into science since you were younger. Um, and so when you went into school, was it with the intention of learning science? Or what did, maybe, maybe the way I want to phrase this question is when you were that kid playing. Uh, playing the floppy disk game that you were talking about earlier, and you were imagining what you were going to be when you grew up. What what was that going to be, and how does that differ from where you are now? Oh god, well, that's a good question. I've got to <laughs> got to remember stuff from um, an embarrassing number of years ago. <laughs> um, I knew I wanted to be in science, and I wanted to be a researcher and mm. a lecturer. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, when I was checking out the high schools for, for some reason that. Yes, they do open days at high schools, between primary school and secondary school. We call them high school. Mm. So I know in high school, in some areas, that's for a certain age range, isn't it, rather than the entire thing. Um, so between the ages of 10 and 11, we, we, we go, change from a primary school to a secondary school. And we, we get to go see open days, go to the one that we want, uh, hopefully if we can. And I was asking questions of the science teacher, like, okay, so I know what happens if you, if you split the atom. We've seen the pictures. What happens if you crush an atom? Mm. Which, which doesn't make sense. But to a 10-year-old thinking, okay, well, if that's that, what's that? Then what's that? And I wanted to know all the details. I wanted to know how the world works and how the universe works and, and why and why. And that, that's what went on. That's what drove me. And that's what ended up with me applying to physics at, at university. It was going to be 50-50 between physics and art, and I'm glad wow. I went with physics in the end, because I'd rather do one as a hobby on the side, rather than having to write essays about it. So, yeah, well, it worked out there. But that's great that you, you know, you were mentioning earlier that you stream, like, painting, so that's great mm. that you still get to do that art as a hobby instead of as a career. And I wonder, you know, had things gone differently and you decided maybe you'll try to do art as a career versus doing and then do, you know, kind of physics and programming as a hobby. Like, how do you think, you know, how do you think that would have worked out? Oh, I, I sit here wistfully thinking sometimes how great would it be just to do that for a living? And 
whilst I know some good friends who have managed to do that and they're fantastic artists and I'm so, so jelly of them um, <laughs> and then the kind of things they can do. Um, I don't think I'd been able to see it through. But I have, a, I have a problem when it comes to painting in that I've got to get it done before I get distracted or yeah. I get bored of it or I get a little fed up with it. So, yeah, it, it probably wouldn't have worked out for me. um so uh on your route to where you are now have you had any major failures that you learned something from oh many many (laughs) many 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 failures but that is how we learn and that's how we grow Mm -hmm. if we if we never got anything wrong we wouldn't find new things we wouldn't um be able to adapt and it just wouldn't be as interesting but this is me ad-libbing whilst trying to think of a particular fun story. <laughs> You're doing it so well, though. <laughs> I guess in terms of, of mistakes, I, I guess um, in terms of, you know, didn't go quite well, things to learn from it, the, the constructive, the managerial way of putting it, is um, I'll, I'll go back to working on Elite Dangerous again. I'll try very hard not to give away company secrets and details and whatnot. I know they're <laughs> yeah, very, of course. very strict on that. Um but uh, the, the mistake or the thing to learn from was my approach to um, getting things correct or getting things right or getting my interpretation being the one that was taken into the game. And I started off on, with the impression thinking, OK, I've got to be the, the spokesperson for science. I've got to be the driving force mm. for that. I've got to be the one fighting as hard as the other one. Other people are, are fighting. And it, it, it was exhausting. It was exhausting. All it, it did was cause a, some conflict between people who also thought they had the mandate to be in charge of this mm. part or this part. And that causes friction. And it doesn't cause solutions. And it just made me very stressed out. I was trying to keep up that that fight because I thought, if I don't, who will? Um, so fast forward a few years trying to learn from that, and that is, okay, let's look at what areas I, I do have control over and areas other people think they have control over. Let's let's uh, give way. Let's let them do their thing. Let's just do our side of it. And, of course, without enough guidance, things kind of spiraled a little bit out of control that way and then just caused a lot of stress oh, at the end because things weren't working and... Uh, too much to catch up on and um, uh, lots of overtime because people kept asking for things and asking for things. And yeah. So in trying to uh, be too capitulant, is that is that a word? <laughs> I think that so. That didn't like the stress. <laughs> yeah, that just sound. replaced the stress. <laughs> so it, it's... It's not a straight line from problem to solution. It it spirals around what is the right approach? How much should you fight a corner? How much energy do you want to put into a thing? And it's, as I said, I don't have an answer for it. It's it's everyone's individual. As as we said a little earlier, each, each case is a little bit individual. How do you forge a path in such a large collaborative industry in a large project so that stress and, and friction is minimized. And I'm, mm. I'm still learning every um, conflict or every new feature. It, it's an, an another bit of experience there. I relate to that a lot. I feel like I'm all it's like a seesaw and I'm trying to get it to 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 be a straight plank. And I'm like 
little bit more weight to the right and then I'm like lifted up too far. So it's add a little bit, take a little bit away. It's also like a like a soup. Like you've put one spice in and now you're trying to taper the other spice out by adding these different spices until you get the perfect flavor. And it feels like you can never get the perfect flavor. You're always adding too much of one spice to to counteract the other one or something. It's mm-hmm. it's frustrating to say the least, but I feel like that's like part of the whole story of life too is just trying like we're all individually trying to find our own like space of balance in that. But, um, but yeah, I thank you so much for uh, your answer so far. I think that's gotten us to a uh, good spot and we've completed another, another level. So we'll uh, take a save point here and hear um, another word from one of our sponsors. At bed three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much. Dr. Kay Ross is here with us um, chatting about her experience uh, in the research industry. I probably called it the science industry earlier. I know, you know, I'm tr- trying to sound smart. And uh, <laughs> I also thought it, was, I, I thought it was an industry. I thought just there was, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. You would think. You're scientists, you, think. you work in the science industry. Like, um, there, there are signs of it which are very industrialized. There are some universities who have an entire side business for the science mm. department of okay, we'll make these kind of instruments for you and, and market them out, oh, or yeah, we'll do course. these kind of things for you. There are some rather commercialized sides of it. Um, though, thankfully, I was never a part of that. I'm, I'm, I'm not good yeah. at business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about some of uh, the mistakes that you've made along your, your path, but what would you say are some of your favorite moments in your career so far? Oh, um, in 2017, Frontier decided to put on an expo for the projects it was doing, the add-ons it was it was doing for, for the game. And they said, hey, do you want to give a talk? And sure, sure, I'll, I'll give a little talk on, on Stella Forge and I'll be off on the, on the side stage, not the main ones, just a small room. And uh, uh, the few people who turn up will be interested in, in, in the science part will come along and we'll have a few questions and yeah that'll be nice because I, I like to interact with people who are playing the game enjoying it talking about science because that's what i'm here for mm. i like the science and it ended up uh, being that that uh, side room got packed out and there was queues out in the corridor and there's people baying to get in uh that sounds all very full of hubris for me there but that was uh, incredibly humbling and uh, really demonstrated to me that those things that I was interested in, those things which um, influenced me as a child and got me interested in, in the universe itself, that, that's still happening. And, and I have the privilege of working on a project for that. And um, it, it was wonderful to be a part of that. That's cool. And and I guess that kind of fulfills your uh, your like childhood ambition of like lecturing and stuff. So that's that's awesome. I was also thinking about that a bit with your your streaming because when I was younger, I wanted to be a teacher growing up, and and doing internet like YouTube and stuff has been like a very interesting way to 
teach without being part of the education system, which I'm not a big fan of, but I am a fan of education, but the education system looking like I do probably not going to work out very well. But uh, <laughs> um, so uh, you are here on the boss level podcast and we do like to ask, what does it mean to be boss level to you? Or to, to reach be boss the boss level? level. <laughs> to, be, to be boss level is... Um, totally not just making this up on the fly to be boss level <laughs> is to realize that you don't need to be playing someone else's game oh to be boss level is to realize what it is you want what interests you and just chase after it for the sake of that and to be your own person forge your own path best you can that is an excellent answer. You don't have to be playing that, somebody else's game. <laughs> yeah, that like honestly blew my mind. Like I never that's that's so incredibly helpful to me. Thank you for sharing that like insight with us. That like really struck me in a way that I that wow, moved a puzzle I'm, piece into space into a spot in my head that I had been like looking for that piece yeah. forever. And it's like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, same. That did something in my brain that I really liked. Wow. <laughs> you don't have to be playing someone else's game. It's really easy to find yourself doing in, in uh, this like new age internet in, or entertainment industry too. We all get wrapped up in like groupthink, and it's some. It's a lot like that. That scenario I was talking about, where like it wasn't the individuals that were talking over me. It was some like overarching system we were all partaking in and we didn't even realize it and it's the same like we're all just kind of playing a big game and we don't even realize it um and i haven't noticed until i've stepped back recently and just kind of like went from active participant to observer <laughs> but it's like what are y'all doing what are we doing <laughs> um but yeah um so you stream um on twitch and uh we've talked a little bit about your painting is it only painting that you do or do you uh stream video games and do you have a favorite game I, I do stream games. I mostly stream games now. Um, I've got the easel set up on the side. It, it's, I'm very ashamed to say it doesn't get as much use uh -oh. as it needs to. So I'm mostly on games at the moment. Uh, now, my favourite game, at least favourite game streamed, um, was something you had a, the, the narrative designer of, was it, for, for last week's? Um, or would it, one of the previous weeks, and that is Outer Wilds. And oh, I never cool. thought I'd find a game which impacted me so deeply and so um totally as that and i don't want to say too much about it mm. because saying anything is spoiling things in this particular case but to all you all out there if you're listening if you've not played out wilds yet go give it a shot it's it's a it's a mystery game it's a space game it's so full of heart and uh will get you thinking by the end for absolute sure Whoa, okay. Uh, that I'm is so fun because Kelsey Beecham was actually our last guest. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know if when, at what order these are releasing in, but the last episode that we recorded, Kelsey <laughs> Beecham was our was our guest that we interviewed. I know, I'm very curious about the uh, about this game too. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just listening to that uh, last episode before we started today. Oh, like, awesome. oh so you already yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Kay, what is what's next for you? You've had this, you know, awesome career and it kind of sounds like you have gone in a couple different directions. Do you see yourself following the, the path that you're on right now for a while or do you see yourself maybe taking something else if it comes along? Mm, yeah, that is a good question. So uh, last year I finally quit Frontier. Um, by the time I quit, I was a principal render programmer 
and in charge of a bunch of Stellar Forge stuff and whatnot, but I was somewhat pigeonholed into being that programmer on that system. And I was taking a step back and like, what does I really want to be doing? Now, the, the answer to that is, oh yeah, I kind of want to be um, a game director. I want to take a concept for a game, run with it, make it as personalized as I can, but that can be dangerous, not dangerous, that can be difficult. Very different, but difficult in a large company. And so I started having a look around. Now, I didn't just fall into that entirely separate discipline. No, no. But um, I did find something which was kind of the path on there, which is this this technical lead, which is looking after uh, all of the programmers on a project, but also being a part of a project leadership team and mm. offering ideas. And I, I like to see myself as a employee of a project, not as an employee of a discipline. And I, I try to work like that. So that that is what I'm working on at the moment there. In terms of long-term goals, if I'm staying in games, it is that, yeah, I want to take an idea. I want to take a concept and run with it and, yeah, see if I can direct it. But that's not likely to be in the immediate future. But <laughs> goals are good. Something yes, to strive towards. They sure are. Um, and I have one more question I'd like to I'd love to ask everybody this. But um, if you can imagine a uh, little 15-year-old Dr. K. Ross uh and you could give yourself any advice from where you're standing now, what what would you tell yourself? Now, if it's the 15-year-old, mm. Dr. K, I would say, <laughs> yes, you're in your first band and it sucks, but stay with it because it's fun <laughs> and you'll miss it. <laughs> what um, kind of music oh, did y'all do? That's so fun. Oh, so, so my first band where it was called Jim after the school bus driver. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> all we did was play some pop punk covers. So a bun bunch of Green <gasps> That's Day. That's so cool. Um, wow, um, pop punk. Yeah. That is my favorite genre. We, we had two guitarists and a, and a drummer. Uh, the drummer was the singer, if I remember as well. Cool. And uh, so no bass. So it wasn't <laughs> the best, but it was fun. Yeah, I miss yeah. doing music. Uh, but otherwise, I'd be saying, um, just be you. What you think is you, just just be you. Don't worry about being wrong. You are you, and that is correct. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, okay, well, where can our audience find you um, all across the interwebs? And do you have any upcoming uh, events or, or speaking opportunities or anything you want to let anyone know about? Sure, sure. So uh, across Instagram and Twitter and on Twitch, I am Dr. K. Ross. That is D-R-K-A-Y-R-O-S-S. In terms of a schedule, I don't have a good one at the moment. I've become very lax and unprofessional, um, but I, I'm streaming roughly once a week at a, at a weekend. And in terms of upcoming uh, appointments and whatnot, uh this is hot off the press. I've not told anyone, not even on Twitter yet, <gasps> but I'll be trying to do some charity streams next month for the Samaritans. They're, they're doing a, a big fundraising drive and uh, I've been, I've had the, the honour of being asked to help out with that. So that's awesome. uh, watch this space and uh, we'll see what we come up with. That's super cool. Um, well, Jess, do you want to uh, let everybody know where, where you are and what you got coming up? Yeah, so um, I am at Jess Brohard on Twitter and Instagram, and those are really the only places I'm currently kind of publicly active. I'm like working away at my day job at Gamers Outreach lately and not doing too much in the way of creating content. But if you want to follow me, that's where I am. 
Um, I saw you've been uh, doing a bunch of stuff with hockey lately too, right? Yes, I have. I've been playing hockey. I'm taking a class on how to play hockey and it has been insanely fun. It is so hard. But the great thing about hockey is that like you will fall, but that's you're padded up. It doesn't hurt. It's kind of fun to fall. You fall and you slide. It's like a little bonus. It's been so inspiring (laughs) watching your updates on Twitter. I'm like, oh my God, I want to go do something like sporty and cool. What? This seems so fun. Do it. It's so (laughs) scary to step outside your comfort zone, but it's so fun. It's so fun. And then I'm Hey Shady Lady. I'm Hey Shady Lady across all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. And uh, I guess the most like upcoming thing I have is I've been revamping my website, um, HeyShadyLady.com. I'm really excited about it. And uh, I've been working on a uh, like a tarot educational series where I'm deep diving all of the esoteric symbolism in every single tarot card. And like, so we're going deep into mythology and and history and all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, it's definitely intense, but it's been a lot of fun. And that's probably a project I'm looking to to take on for the next couple of years. It's taking me two or three weeks per card and there's 78 cards in a tarot deck. So Ooh. it's it's a long project. <laughs> like, but uh, but yeah, that's that's what I got going on. So um, yeah, and I guess that's gonna wrap our episode up. Uh, again, thank you so much to Dr. K. Ross for your time and your energy and sharing your journey with us here. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I guess we will see you on the next episode of Boss Level. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 